is Somewhere Somewhere for January 18th, 2024. My name is Bertie Burns. With me, sitting right over there, is someone who is not celebrating their birthday today. Say hi to Ashley. What's up, birthday boy? Do you like birthdays? Didn't even remember it was coming up. What? Nah, didn't even remember it was coming up this time. I was like, we were busy with other things, obviously. And uh, it was our lovely little four-year-old who was very excited about my birthday coming up. Who he, he's very excited. He's disa- grounded me. <laughs> he is disappointed that you haven't um, cut your cake yet. Do we have a cake? Yeah, you didn't see the cake. You didn't see the cake on the kitchen table. There were presents on the table, and I opened them <laughs> immediately. You, I don't know how you went right past the cake to the presents. <laughs> Friend of ours got us, got me a album, a vinyl album of Weezer, because Spotify outed me as a Weezer fan. Apparently, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know that I was. I like that. So now you, it's a thing. You went through a phase. You had a Weezer phase. It was last summer. I, I remember you were listening to Weezer constantly. My uh, my my listening habits tend to be I just get onto one thing and just listen and listen and listen and listen. Yeah, it doesn't help that um, that Finn has very similar listening habits. Right now, he's really into a song called "Payphone" by Maroon Five, and we have to listen to it all the time. But then he also specifically requests uh, he likes. He calls it, by the way, he doesn't call it "Payphone." He calls it "Paradise." Yes, he's he's switching over. He's starting to learn song names. Yeah, because uh, we had to have a whole library in our head of the uh, kind of the shortcut names for all of his songs. Oh yeah, we had there was the there was the Banana Party song, which, by the way, was not remotely about bananas. This is the Banana Party song. Here, I can play it right here. This is a Banana Party song. Okay, here we go. There's a real cool club on the other side of town <laughs> with a real cool kid. This is no bananas in this at all. Bad. I bet the other kids. Yeah, it's a real cool club, and you're not part of it. Right here. There's Bailey, pickles and patty cakes too, and cubbies. That was, uh, that's Screeching Weasel, Cool Kids, and that was actually one of the candidates, I guess probably then called the inspiration for what ended up being the Morning Summer theme, was that one. Very nice. Well, That's why he had to hear it and he why hear, it got he, stuck in his head. Yeah, he heard it got stuck in his head and he called it Banana Party. I'm still not sure why. I guess somewhere in those words, he hears Banana Party. Uh, and then there's also... I wonder if we'll get pinged for that. Like, I'm just playing music. We don't have ads on our thing. We don't have any kind of sponsorship money stuff coming through. I wonder if we could just play music. Could we? We're a radio station now. It's pirate radio. <laughs> All right, coming at you now. It's uh, Orange Mothers out of Austin, Texas. When we were kids, we, we walked a thousand miles to school. When we were kids, we didn't wear tattoos. Everybody go listen to all these streams. The first one was Screeching Weasel, Cool Kids. This is Orange Mothers. Kids don't know. Kids don't know. No, they don't. Hey, it's five past the hour. Traffic's really <laughs> building up on the freeway. Get out there. The snowplows are moving. Everyone's uh, thawing out in Austin right now. They're, uh, I was texting people in the middle of the night. They go, why are you up? And I said, because I'm worried that my kid who is in Austin right now is going to get trapped and frozen because he was without power for 72 hours. I mean, Again? I know he's not a kid anymore, but I'm just like, how can I not watch that stuff? Yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, but... Thawing, which is great. Uh, we're having another snow day here, which is fun. Uh, but I like snow days. I've, I've said that before. That's nothing new. Um, where's pickle party? It's not just a snow. It's just not just snow day though. It's a snow birthday. 
This is full morning show today, man. It's full morning show. I got my soundboard going and everything. Uh, pickle party. I don't have that on here. Pickle oh, party fine. is uh, that's fine. that's stressed out by Twenty One Pilots. By Twenty One Pilots, yeah. It's we. Our kid so, has weird taste in music. He, he, it's very eclectic. Um, but uh, he's he's having a great time learning the names of songs, and he's also starting to memorize lyrics and then sing along to songs. And it's really cool to see that kind of development. I was kind of shocked at how quickly he was memorizing full songs. What was the first song? That you memorized all the words to. Oh, God. I uh, couldn't even begin to tell you. Um, really? Really. I, I, I can tell you. It's weird. I was really proud of it that I knew all the what words was, to one what song. What was yours? Abracadabra by the Steve Miller band. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I don't even know if it is Steve Miller. Is it Steve Miller? I have no idea. Oh, I, I could probably sing I wouldn't want to be inaccurate like, on my you know, birthday. It's my birthday. At one time or another, I'm sure I could have uh, <laughs> sung every word to the like I don't know My Little Pony theme song, Rainbow Bright theme song, or She-Ra theme song. <laughs> so those ones I probably could have got you on. I don't actually know if their theme songs had words, but if they did, I could have sang them to you. One of the weirdest connections in all of modern cinema is there is a song in the Transformers movie. Uh, which is you got the touch. I don't have that here on the soundboard, but just, you, just you got like the that. power. Okay. Weirdly enough, they decided to make that the song that Mark Wahlberg's character records in Boogie Nights when he decides to have a music career. The porn star Dirk Diggler. Yeah. For some reason, they just recorded like now weirdly canonically. <laughs> <laughs> the Transformers universe is connected to Boogie Nights somehow. It's one of the most bizarre connections. And I've never, I've, I, I instantly recognized it, but I never looked at why they chose that song in particular. So yeah, so Dirk Diggler is the uh, guy who sang the theme song to the Transformers movie. I had no idea. I don't think I've ever seen, uh, honestly, all of Boogie Nights. I've seen I've probably seen all of it, but Tremendous. not but not at once. Trem- if that makes sense. I, I I adore that movie. I love Boogie Nights. I wish they'd have done a follow up, but I don't see, it kind of was weird movie where it was almost like you could have seen where it could have been two movies. They could have done the seventies era and the eighties era separately because mm-hmm. it's it's like very distinct acts in that movie, uh, and it's great. It's really great. I don't know if it holds up though. I'm sure there's stuff in it that would not be appropriate for today's audiences. Yeah, I mean that that happens with everything. When I go back and watch something, I'm like, I did not. Uh, I did not catch that at the time. Sometimes when you push the envelope, people come along later and go, hey, maybe close that envelope back yeah, maybe, up. Uh, yeah, maybe back that envelope right on up. Abracadabra is by the Steve Miller Band, released June 15th, 1982. All right, sorry, we'll get off all this silliness. And what, what are we talking about today? Lavanomics. Oh, well, do I get to talk about Lavanomics? <laughs> it's your birthday. So I'm excited about Lavanomics. So Iceland right now. Don't get too excited because a bunch of people's houses just burned down. This sounds like one of the craziest jobs in the world. I was seeing this thing where in Iceland, they are building essentially, for lack of a better term, dikes to block the lava from coming in and just creeping over this town and they're, burning they're this town They're trying to divert down. it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to almost but treat it like water instead of, you know, melted rock that's coming your way. And one of the things I've always been fascinated by, Ashley and I were married. We eloped to Hawaii to get married in 2019. And uh, I asked very casually, someone was giving us a tour and I asked them when we were looking at a lava field, what happens to the property when lava comes and covers it? 
And the way they handle it in, we'll link an article in the link dump to BuzzFeed News, which you say is a very credible news source. Yes. BuzzFeed News is kind of separate from BuzzFeed. I think it's actually been shut down now, oh, unfortunately, it? but BuzzFeed News is actually quite a great news source. So you can read about Lobonomics and then take a quiz to find out what Pokemon you would do. <laughs> Hold on one second. So according to uh, Giz, or excuse me, not Gizmodo, to BuzzFeed, uh, the way Lobonomics happens or Tectonomics happens when your land is covered with lava and then, you know... The lava, it's not like floodwaters. They don't recede and go away. Right. Once they the solidify. lava cools down and then you have, your land is covered in this very hard lava rock. Your, your, your property basically turns into the world's worst parking lot. And then what do you do? <laughs> and that, that was my question was, was what happens to the land? And I guess I assumed that the government would step in and claim it all in some kind of disaster relief. That is not what happens. Uh, the only thing the government does is essentially reassess your property value for one year and set the property value back at zero so that you don't have to pay property taxes. Oh, how kind. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty ridiculous. Because so, what do you do? You can't, who's going to buy it? You can't sell it to anybody. So you're stuck with this property that no one in their right mind would buy from you. And then when the property gets reassessed at a higher value, then you've got this property that you're paying taxes on. Are they going to just keep having to reassess it and be like, yep, still covered in lava. That's still a zero because there's nothing you can really do at that point. Can you imagine excavating that? No, I, nightmare. Honestly, I would love to know if if anybody, if you can post on the subreddit or I guess, is there an email address where people can mail us? You can uh, just email info at morningsomewhere.com. Info at morningsomewhere.com. If anyone knows anyone who's had a house that were a property that was covered in lava, and then later on, what happened to it? Because I cannot find anything about it. Uh, Here's the interesting thing about Hawaii, though, is yes. it's like, I don't know, it's kind of, it, it feels inconsistent to me. So here's what happens if you have um, a beachfront home that gets covered in lava. Right. And it extends the coast. Do you, did your front yard suddenly become bigger? Nope. That new land belongs to Hawaii. So this was a court case. Lava from the, this is from BuzzFeed News. This is reported by Michelle Broder Van Dyke. That's an awesome name. Uh, that there was a court case where, of course, in places like Hawaii, the lava will then reach the ocean and dump into the ocean, cool into rock, and then more lava comes along. And it can ex actually extend what is the beach at that point out further. And there was a case where someone, uh, there was a lava flow in 1995 that extended the, the shoreline in Kapaho. The Hawaii State Supreme Court decided that a resident did not have a claim to the seven acres of new land that formed in front of his home. That's a lot of lava. And this is even like, there's even talking here. We'll link this article in the link dump. There's even talking here of, you know, when people's homes are completely covered, the bank still wants their mortgage payment on this newly formed parking lot that used to be their home and their property. Here's, what, here's the thing, though. I know how we can fix the lava problem. How can we fix it? Just send all the Minecraft players. Just chipping away they're, at this obsidian? They're just going to chip away at that obsidian. We're going to get portals everywhere. It says here, in the early 1990s, the state uh, created the Hawaii Property Insurance Association, which provides basic insurance options to people living in lava zones one and two. These policies are limited and usually max out at $350,000. Which, given the cost of living in Hawaii and yeah. property prices there, is not... A lot when you get down to it. But it's a, it's a really unique kind of disaster because it's not as simple as just wait for it to end and then go in and rebuild. I mean, it's a completely different geography by the time that you're done with it. It's fascinating. They're saying that this could be like the new normal 
for Iceland is a lot of these little eruptions. Uh, they're saying that this happened before in like the 12th century. There was just this over, this could be decades of just these lava eruptions just boiling up and specifically on this peninsula. Years ago, uh, we were in Christchurch, New Zealand, which is in the South Island of New Zealand, and they had had a huge earthquake. Um, but the earthquake that was so damaging to the town was not as high a magnitude on the Richter scale as previous earthquakes around. But people were describing to me when I was there, they said it was right under the town. So it was completely different. They said that it was just impossible to even stand up because instead of you know the earth shaking back and forth, it was going up and down beneath their feet. And they said it was incredible and they'd never experienced anything like it before. Yeah, Christchurch was like rubble for a while. I remember, was that the one they actually were pouring cement into the ground floors of buildings to, keep, oh, yeah. the, to yeah. keep them up long enough for people to get their stuff out and to keep them from falling over um, sort of on the rest of the infrastructure? Right, they were, some of the big skyscrapers were leaning you know, five degrees or something like that. And so they just filled the bottom two floors with just... Purely concrete, just blocks, just to hold them up while they could pull stuff out of them you know, you or give, safely demolish them. You know, them. you give that a couple centuries and that's going to be a tourist attraction and people are going to line up to take pictures of, oh, look, I'm holding it up. Or, you know, you hire a British contractor and you say, you want the first floor and the second floor? Okay. <laughs> and then for some reason, they don't put it all the way down to the ground and then the building falls over. And it's yeah, so it's uh, it's crazy. Have you ever been in a town, like been to visit anywhere? I used to also do a lot of business in uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, for when I was in, I worked used to work in telecom uh, before I you know, got into entertainment. Um, and I would go to Oklahoma City all the time. And the people who lived in that town, they could tell you big parts of their life, what happened before the Oklahoma City bombing and after the Oklahoma City bombing. It was a hard point in history for them in particular. And I think everyone knows about the Oklahoma City bombing. But at the same time, it's not that same touchstone that it is for people who have been, you know, at ground zero for things like that. Uh, yeah, I haven't been really ground zero for anything really strong. I remember when I was living in the Bay Area, I woke up uh, for, you know, a small tremor or something. And I was like, I should get under a door. And instead I went back to sleep. <laughs> so my my survival instincts, not that strong. There was a, there was a time when I was... It was E3, and I was already aging out of the video game world, and there was a big party at E3, and I thought, I'm just going to go home and go back to the hotel room and sleep. And I, was, I happened to experience a small SoCal earthquake while I was laying in bed, and I called all my friends, and they're like, no, we didn't even feel it, but it was because I was lame and at home <laughs> laying in bed, which they're was like, awesome, by the they're way. They're like, no, I just thought that the base had got really strong for a second. <laughs> they didn't even notice it, didn't know what had happened. They were all disappointed because uh, I had never experienced an earthquake before. Neither are they. You know, from Texas, we don't have a lot of those. Even though we lived on a dormant fault in in uh, in Austin, the Balcones Fault. If yeah. You ever, if you ever hear about Balcones, which is all over there, then that's what that is. Well, I grew up on the Wasatch Fault. Yeah. So lots of lo lots of potential for natural disasters. But um, there's a mega volcano right in the middle. We're we're on big time on Lavanomics here. Uh, there's a huge dormant volcano right in the middle of the U.S. That if it erupts, it's like. You know, everything dinosaur time you know for everybody on earth you know it's like a mass extinction event if that thing goes off but would the dinosaurs come back what's that's that but would the dinosaurs come back that's no it, i'm talking about we would follow in the route of the dinosaurs we wouldn't have a bunch of dinosaurs <laughs> they go well, pouring just, out of the I, volcano I, yeah, I just want the volcano and just like <laughs> instead, instead of lava it's pterodactyls <laughs> um but speaking of uh, natural disasters self-checkout 
A non-natural disaster. Uh, America seems to be not a big fan. And a lot of uh, stores are apparently closing their self-checkout uh, options, which here's weird. It's weird. I don't like self-checkout, but I do. Go ahead. I don't like the part where I have to like talk to people at checkout and like make the small talk and all that sort of stuff. Uh, on the other hand, self-checkout, the one that where you have to like weigh your stuff is... So annoying because ev- has anyone ever got through self checkout where you put your stuff on the scale and then and then it does everything? Has anyone got through that whole process without it flipping out and telling you you need to remove an unexpected item from the bagging area? Oh no, but you need to place your item in the bagging area and it's just never quite right. And then the, you have to wait for the person to come over and put in the code and be like, "No, I swear it's fine." You know, the only place it's left that I even see the scales anymore. Which, by the way, how are these the most precise scales in the world? They can figure out. I've got three gallons of milk in there, for instance, and then I add a protein bar, and it can tell that I've added a protein bar to, to three gallons of milk. How is that even possible? But uh, the only place I ever see them anymore is at hardware stores in the U.S. where they have the scales, where I'm constantly buying things that are not scale-sized. Like, if I'm buying a push broom, how the fuck do I put that up on the scale? Yeah, you, you know? don't. Here's a system here, though, that I really like that a lot of stores do use, and that's you uh, sign up for a membership. Basically, you get an account. Uh, and then you, when you go into the store, you get a little handset, a scanner, basically. You go through. You Which, do- by the way, if you have a kid in a grocery store, giving them a price gun is the greatest activity Oh, my gosh. In the world. It's such a great way to keep them occupied. Yeah. Uh, uh, then, then it's their, their job. They get to scan all the things. And you go through. You scan everything as you put it in your basket. Uh, and then, basically, they do spot checks. Um uh, and Which they do them. They annoyed do me them, at first too. It is a little bit annoying at first. They do them more early on, sort of right. as you're building, <laughs> I guess, your in-store rep. Um, <laughs> but once you get up to like fi- a five-star internal rep, then uh, it happens a lot less. And uh, and then you're not weighing things. You can put them in. You put them into your bags as you scan them. It's great. You go to the uh, kiosk at the end. You basically scan your scanner's barcode, and it goes, "This is how much you pay," and you leave. And it's seamless and it's great and i don't know why more places specifically the u.s the u.s for being such a consumer centric um you know you know like go ahead spend, give us all your money kind of economy really bad at letting you give them your money it was also really behind i feel like on uh contactless payments yep they're getting better they're getting better but when we got here because of chip and pin in the uk and europe uh we it was when contactless came along it was just seamlessly rolled into that system we could go to a tiny little filling station on a cliff in northern rural scotland and you could use apple pay and google pay and everything else just tap your phone and go uh whereas i could go to a major grocery store chain in austin texas and like oh we don't do that swipe you got to swipe swipe yep. and sign you know yep and uh there's also Nothing will make you, by the way, feel more American than when you have to swipe a card here. <laughs> and the person behind the counter goes, they want you to sign? I have to get a pen? And they're yeah, like they hunting like for a pen. they're looking for a pen. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think it's also uh, an anti-fraud measure here where when you're, say, at a restaurant uh, and you get the bill and you want to pay, they don't take your card away to a kiosk to swipe it. They bring the, uh, the card, card machine. machine to you so that your card never leaves your control. Yeah. You can also, by the way, tell when they know you're an American on that because there's an optional tip screen. And, and it, if, it always comes up. And if it shows up with the tip screen, you know they've identified you as a mark. <laughs> I don't know how they could tell that we're Americans. I don't know how they could tell either. <laughs> 
But here's what I'm learning about the rollback now in America for self-checkout. If you're a fan of self-checkout, this is going to be bad news for you. But if you can't stand these things, good news is it looks like a lot of major retailers are starting to go back to human-manned cash registers. Uh, This is from a Gizmodo article by Thomas Germain. In 2023, Target restricted self-checkout kiosks in some stores to 10 items or less. Walmart, Walmart pulled their machines out of a number of locations altogether. Booths, a British grocery chain, abandoned self-checkout entirely. Dollar General made enormous bets on self-checkout tech in 2022, but it recently announced the project flopped. Here's what I learned from this article. I could have been stealing so much more stuff (laughs) because apparently the big pullback on uh, self-checkout is because of just incredible amounts of theft. The stat listed here is that people are 21 times more likely to steal something if they use a self-checkout line. That is a that is a dramatic statistical increase. That's huge. And I, I feel like, personally, if I'm in charge of it, I'm being way more careful than if I notice the checkout person miss something and I get out to the parking lot and I'm like, did they charge me for that? Or, you know, something's in the bottom of the cart or something. Yep. Not that that has ever happened to me ever, but <laughs> hypothetically, <laughs> allegedly... If I had something in the bottom of my cart and a human missed it, then I don't feel like it's as much my responsibility. If I had done the checkout, I'd be back in there going, I'd like to report myself for a theft, please. <laughs> take take me away. Am I, is that just me? Am I like that? No. I mean, look, I, I think it's a personal responsibility thing. It just seems like a dad thing. I don't know is why. Is it a dad thing? Yeah. I had another dad moment <laughs> where I was, uh, there's an actor that I really like and I have been pronouncing his name wrong for so long. Go ahead. So who is the head of Vought Industries in The Boys? Who's the actor that plays that role? You mean Giancarlo Esposito? You said Giancarlo. Giancarlo Esposito, as I've been saying his name. I saw an interview with him. Somebody stopped him on the street. Uh, listen to how he pronounces his own name. Okay, I got to hear this. Well, how are you? Fine. What's your name and where are you from? Giancarlo Esposito from Italia. Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo. And I even looked at some other interviews that he did. I was really embarrassed by myself when I was listening to that. As soon as I heard him, I'm like, oh, that's Giancarlo Esposito. And he says his name and I was like, oh my God. Well, How many times have I said that in my life and been so wrong? If it makes you feel any better, in spite of liking him very much uh, as an actor, uh, I only recently learned that um, Walter Goggins... <laughs> It's not his name. It's Walton. It's, it's Walton. Oh, you've been calling him Walter? <laughs> I've, been, I've just somehow every single time I've seen his name written down, my brain has changed it to Walton. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, Walton Goggins was recently announced for uh, the next season of uh, White Lotus. So it looks like I've got all the reasons in the world to watch that show. He's also coming out, uh, which is germane to our discussion earlier this week. Uh, he's going to be a ghoul in the Fallout series, which is receiving rave reviews just from its trailer. So yeah. high hopes for that. Dropping in April. Excited. All right. Well, that does it for us. January 18th. Birthday. 2024. We will be here to talk to you tomorrow. One year older. We hope you'll be here as well. Bye, everybody. Happy birthday, Kevin Costner.